that my biggest takeaway is that I am capable. And I think it's so wonderful and what a gift it is that I never had anybody bail me out. I never had a knight in shining armor. I never had some guy or girl or anybody swoop into my life and save me. And I've been knocked the freak down a lot. And that sounds kind of sad. Like, oh, you've never had anybody. But it's like, I actually don't think somebody will. And therefore, I call it... uh, this section of your brain, survival, creativity, it opens up when there's nobody to save you, you find a way because there's always a way. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? To the ultimate shift today. Uh, I'm really excited to have Brittany Turner here, whom uh, I have, we have now just met, but I've had multiple people tell me that I should have you on the show. And Brittany, for those who don't know you, you are the founder of multiple different companies, uh, from real estate to nonprofits to hosting events on a private island. So, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and so can you tell us just a little bit about who is Brittany Turner and, you know, how how does Nashville fit into that? Just a little bit about yourself. I think that's actually a really funny and interesting question. I had to define that the other day because a lot of people know me as a real estate developer. And then they knew me for media production. And then they've known me for now coaching and helping people find their life purpose or doing my disaster relief work. And the best way to describe it is I'm not any of those. I'm just on a mission. And if this specific vehicle, which normally is one of my companies, it helps get me there. Great. And when that season's over, great. (laughs) But I do currently have six companies. All of them are geared towards addressing social issues with the mission of accelerating recovery in developing nations. And I started out wanting to be a missionary when I was 12. And uh, I never would have imagined that the journey would have gotten me here. But it really started with a prayer. You know, uh, from 12 to 17, after I had this original like vision of doing mission work, I worked five jobs at a time, grew up really poor. And I'd save my money to go on these trips. And I felt like the worst missionary ever because I'd go on these mission trips and I was just like, pissed off the whole time. And I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be like a holy experience. Why am I just so angry? And I was angry because I was seeing these horrible things happen to some of the most beautiful and innocent people, these wonderful hearts, and they're just suffering. And I wasn't used to that. You know, I grew up poor, but not like America poor is different. You know, you're not finding babies in trash cans every day. You're not seeing the levels of abuse normalized and socially acceptable like you do in certain places overseas. And I was just furious. And at 17, I met a little girl on one of these trips that couldn't speak. I was talking to her, but her vocal cords were destroyed because her father sexually abused her before she turned one and it destroyed her vocal cords. 
And I found out that in this specific part of Costa Rica, it was socially acceptable for fathers to break in their kids. And one out of every four babies died before they turned one. And I just can't live with that. I can't live with that. So I got on my knees. I went back to my tent that night. I got on my knees and said, God, whatever it looks like, I want to stop this from being a thing. And I heard loud and clear that day, I'm going to take you out of the mission field and I'm going to put you in business. And I was like, no. And I don't really care what any of y'all believe because this is my life experience and my experience trumps opinions. So it doesn't really matter. This is exactly how it happened. I can't deny it. And so I was like, oh no, anything with business, I can't stand that. That's so lame. And my idea, especially a businesswoman, was like the stuffy, cold, just like toxin-filled, angry person. I don't know why. That was the picture in my head. Like Wall Street. I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to live and serve at all these, you know, in-person levels in these villages and save the children myself. And but I listened. And so at 18, as a waitress, when they were giving loans out to everybody in 2007, <laughs> I was able to buy my first house. I had a guy come into this school I was in. I was, I was in a missionary training school led by survivalists and green berets. And, and this rich guy came in and I literally skipped class because I was like, I don't like rich people. They are evil. They're all the bad guys. I mean, haven't you seen a Disney movie? Right. They're all the bad guys. And, and so I was like, I don't want to listen to him because money will never have anything to do with my life. But as the great student that I was, I didn't realize he was speaking for multiple days. And I ended up in his class the second day. <laughs> and he, wow. he talked about being able to buy houses with no money down. And if your mortgage payments, $900 a month, but you rent it out for $1,200 a month, that's what they call cash flow. And that $300 that you save, you know, do that 10 times, you're making $3,000. You can live in Africa. You never have to ask anybody for money. And I was like, go on. I like that idea. <laughs> this is fun. Your, your missionary dream here. Yeah. So that's when I bought my first house at 18. I had no idea that, you know, getting to real estate investing, you wouldn't be a millionaire within six months. Right. We've all heard <laughs> that. It's super easy. No, uh, that was the, I think I closed on it like the month, the global economic meltdowns took place. <laughs> I was like the last person to get a loan. And uh, I, I Googled because in the process of buying it, I found out about this thing called flipping houses, which you could make like $10,000 a pop. And if you save those chunks of $10,000, you could have a $100,000 down payment on an apartment complex. And then you make $10,000 a month. And then I can build my own freaking orphanages and nobody can tell me what to do. Nobody can cap my calling. I'm off to the races of my mission dreams. So I Google what colleges teach you how to flip houses. Do you know which ones are the best schools in the country for that? There's access schools for that? No, I have no idea. No, there are not. And so I did. (laughs) They're definitely not. I wanted there to be, but there weren't. And so I. Yeah. So like, well, uh, I'm very practical. I said, if they don't teach what I want to learn, then I guess I have to learn another way. But my family was not a fan of the idea of not going to college. It's way cooler now to not go. Was not cool back then. So I was essentially 
kicked out and nobody talked to me for two years. It was zero support. It was really annoying. So I had this holy ambition. I wanted to be able to get into real estate investing so I could make money so I could build orphanages and save kids. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of the listeners, you're going to think because you've got a pure intention and you want to be a force for good, that the Red Sea will just part and everything will just be easy. Especially for my Christians out there, there a lot of people leave what I would say 90% of their calling on the table because they hit obstacles. And some people are like, the universe is just giving me a sign that this is not right. Or, like, or they don't think that they should have the obstacles. Yeah. Or it's God's closing the door. That's what I heard the most. Well, God just must be closing the door. I'm like, well, God has slammed the door on my entire life <laughs> because nothing was easy. Not one thing. And I'm like, okay, do I, am I like attracting this at this point? But just let, just let one thing just go through, please, God. It was never easy. And I, I want to share that level of detail with you guys because I want you to keep going. Many are called and few are chosen for a reason because people get knocked out of the game, mostly by their own mindset, by their peasants they're hanging out with. And I don't say peasant as in like, oh, that's a poor person. I'm saying they're poor minded. They've got poor habits. They've got poor vision. They've got poor, you know, the lack of execution or any other, all the things. And I call those peasants um, versus people who call you and, and help you into becoming the person you're called to be your highest and best self. So that's the biggest thing to fix. And, and when you're on the struggle bus, if you're listening to this, you're going to be like, oh, I hear all this all the time, but I am doing everything I can. I thought that too. I and mean, there were so many months where I could not figure out how to make a dollar more than $2,500. That was like my cap financially. I could not beat it. But then there is a mind expansion thing. And I promise you it's tied to the people you hang out with. Whatever you think is normal, you will become. And so I, I like to remind people, choose your village wisely because it's in our subconscious. We don't want to be kicked out of the village. Why? Because on the other side of those gates are dinosaurs and cougars and snakes and diseases and all the things that is why we have a village around us, but times have changed. You know, we live in cities now. We have a lot of new amenities, but it's still in our subconscious that if we don't have that human affirmation, we're going to die. That's how serious it is. So if you don't have access to those friends yet, find those friends on YouTube, listen to the people you want to think like, and be like, not in every way, but pick and choose people to grow your fitness through your business through, your relationships through, your spirituality through. I have four different coaches at all times. Why? Because coaches help you skip levels because <laughs> they've already been there and done that. Right. Yeah. ones for different things. Oh, yeah. One that covers the entire spectrum. Well, they can't. My, you know, sometimes my fitness coaches have terrible relationship advice. Right. And exactly. sometimes my relationship advice, people are massively overweight. You know, it just, I'm not saying that to my coaches if you're listening. <laughs> I'm just saying pick and choose the areas you want to be like, and only listen. This is like the best advice I ever got. Only listen to people you want to be like, and in that specific area. I love that. I want to touch on something that you said 
earlier in your life when you had no support from your family. I can relate to that from leaving. I left, I grew up Amish for the people who don't know. And then when I said I'm leaving, then I had the same thing, which was, you know, it wasn't about college, but it was about our religion specifically in this case. And so my parents were like, well, if, if you're leaving, you're on your own. I mean, we're not giving you anything. You have the clothes on your back, which I ended up running away from home. And then not having the support of anyone, because I was the black sheep of the family for, for me, it was about four years. But I often think like that's what molded me into believing that I can do whatever. And yeah. What is your take on there's so many people, whether it's consulting or different people that I run into that are like, well, my parents just want this or my friends or this and that. And then they limit themselves to that ideology. And I always tell people, I'm like, it's, it's not wrong for them to want something from you or for you based off of their life, but this is your life. This is your story. This is your book that you're writing. I mean, what do you, when you think back to that time, what do you think was your biggest takeaway from having to just go at it your own way, figuring it out? So my biggest takeaway is that I am capable and I think it's so wonderful and what a gift it is that I never had anybody bail me out. I never had a knight in shining armor. I never had some guy or girl or anybody swoop into my life and save me. And I've been knocked the freak down a lot. And that sounds kind of sad. Like, oh, you've never had anybody. But it's like, I actually don't think somebody will. And therefore, I call it uh, this section of your brain, survival, creativity, it opens up when there's nobody to save you, you find a way because there's always a way. And so the confidence that I have versus some people that I know, especially women, whatever, let's just say it, I can get dropped off anywhere and I know I'll make it. And I want to, to encourage you specifically women, you can, and you just haven't had to try yet. But when you have to try, you really do. You're amazing. You are amazing. And if the energy you're giving into, which I want to give into weekly, still, it's crazy. It's the energy of like curl up in a corner and just cry, just cry. And then after a while of doing that, meaning like 12 years of doing that, <laughs> I, I finally was like, yeah, this is such a waste of time. I'm going to figure it out anyway. So you start building that confidence. I'm going to figure it out anyway. This is just delaying be getting to the answer faster. So just suck it up and start searching for the answer now versus feeling sorry for yourself. And I have a lot of perspective. I'm very blessed to have the perspective I have all the time because I serve a lot in developing nations. Like I'm in one most of the month, every month, somewhere in the world. And I see how blessed we are. doesn't matter how poor you are by being in America You have access to opportunities that so much of the world does not. By right, you can try things. And there's there's not the level of corruption that we see overseas. I'm sure there's still a lot of corruption. But nothing compared to what it is overseas. So you are 1 to 20 Googles away from being wildly successful at any point. At any point. Because all the things that are in place for you to just make it are there. And the biggest thing you have to fight is your own laziness. Or your own mentality. Your exactly. Mental, mental state of, of 
before you let yourself go. I wanted to go back to what you said earlier. I think it's one of the most difficult things for people to overcome. As a child, you have to listen to your parent because they are making sure you don't kill yourself as an infant, <laughs> like running and falling down the stairs or a cliff or eating something bad or electrocuting yourself. And then you get a little older and then they're trying to like pour into your life and tell you how the world works. And then there's this, you know, rebellious teenage phase where you're trying to think that you know everything, but you don't. Then you're like a young adult, but it's still in your head that what your parents say goes. And they've, most parents, at least, unless they're super messed up, are telling you to do things because they love you. But just because they're, they have a loving voice, they might be projecting all kind of theory, things to, to still preserve your life in their mind. But that doesn't mean that your calling is their calling. So now that you're an adult, you've got to go back to that question I said earlier. It's, do I want to be like them? in that specific area. Do I want my parents' marriage to be my marriage? Do I want my family's fitness level and health and drinking habits to be mine? Because if you have those same habits and you're heeding their advice in those areas, you will end up them. So take the good. Don't discount the imperfect person. Find the parts that you love, your parents' humor, their creativity, their love. They're, they're whatever it is that you respect most out of them. And then always be polite when they're giving you advice and say, thank you, but only act on the advice you want to become. So has there ever come a point in your life where your parents are like, okay, Brittany, you did good. And how did that feel? Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, so my mom has always been there for me. I mean, even though she did not have the money to like help, she is always just like, listen, my mom is such a freaking champion. Um, it wasn't necessarily my parents that were as boycotty as some of my siblings, I got you. Okay. <laughs> um, but there's six of us, there's a lot of kids. And so and we're very there's close. Family, yeah. so oh, wow. What number are you? Well, I'm 32. Actually, there's 10 with me. So oh. yeah. So I get the whole rest of the siblings. Yeah. I'm number two. Huh? There's a ranking people. You know, if you're not from a big family, you don't understand ranking yes. and how I've so you never the change. Between. Oh yeah. And then, then there's there's a uh, if you have that many they're like you'll pair up and then you're against yep. them. Don't let take you off track. I'm sure there is something much more important oh, to say. Yeah, that. that's so funny. I don't remember what you asked me now. Yeah, yeah, well, you were talking about how maybe your, your parents were a little more supportive. Than oh, yeah. So when I, I promised my family, when I become a millionaire, I'm going to take them all on a cruise because we grew up poor. And the one nice trip that we went on was when I was 13. My parents took us on a cruise. It was like the most luxurious thing we've ever done. And it was so much fun. <laughs> and so uh, that's what we did. I, when I was 24, I became a millionaire. And I took the whole thing. I paid for everybody and my grandparents to go on a cruise. And that was like the shifting point of nobody was mean anymore. <laughs> They're like, All right, people can be bought guys. Just can be. They can be. And when you make it. So here's the science behind change. Okay. Nobody wants uh, to have a con artist in their life. And nobody wants to believe in somebody that's not real. So when you decide to change, it is instinctual for people to challenge that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
you're listening to this and this now, or you went to so-and-so's conference, and oh, you're all changed and different now. You think you're better than us? That's just the testing. So that you have to know that the science behind specifically your family or friends is going to poke at you and say, is this real? They're going to poke, 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 poke. I say give it about five years. That's a really long time, especially for my young people. But there's a five-year turnaround on if you stay consistent and you continue to grow, you can only control yourself and you should only, you should write this one down, feed the hungry. Don't try, it sucks about don't try to drag the people you love the most with you because even though you want to help them the most, they're probably not going to listen until you've proven that your change is real and you are not a con artist. So don't, don't be mad at them for doing all these weird things that they're going to do. Just know the survival brain inside of them wants to make sure they don't get duped. They can't even help it unless they're awake mm -hmm. and they probably aren't if they're doing that to you. Because awake people want to see you be your best self and will be encouraging. And then consistently remind yourself and ask yourself, what would a loving person be saying to me right now? So just because you're saying these mean things doesn't mean it's actually love. I like that. So when you have, as we all have, you have your days where maybe you just don't feel like getting out of bed. Or maybe you feel like, like you said earlier, going to the corner and just crying your heart out or mind out or whatever it is, but hey, face off. Face off. Crying <laughs> face off. That's what I specifically said. Okay. This message sponsored by Waterproof Mascara. <laughs> We're here for you. What what would you say to someone who's struggling to get because I I've been, you know, at a time in my life it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. But there was a point for about three months that I was in the, the deepest rut that you think you're never going to get out. If there's one thing you could say to someone that's in that situation uh, to, to make one step towards something, like, cause when you say, well, this too shall pass or any other thing, yeah. or, or they realize, well, we can get there, but like, they just need that one step. Mm -hmm. What's that one thing that you would advise someone to do in that situation? Mm -hmm. The first thing. Oh, after I answer, I don't want to hear your answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anybody that's been through the three months, as long as it's not three years, it gets worse. But uh, so I had a really dark period multiple times in my life, but uh, specifically 2017, I ended up in an abusive marriage and it had turned so fast. It sucked. And I was so absolutely in love with this person. And then they became so horrible so quickly that it didn't have like 10 years of resentment built up to like help guard me. My heart was like destroyed. And I was so successful too that, that I'm not saying that as a brag. I'm saying this doesn't happen to quote unquote trailer trash or people who didn't right. have good dads or people, you know, it can happen yeah, to anybody. It's, it's, it's a human thing. I'd already won everything. I'd already been a multimillionaire. I had it all quote unquote. And it can still freaking happen. So going through that and everything I had dreamed of at that point in my life had, had started falling apart. Uh, he had poisoned like 70% of my staff against me. The closest people to me, like 70% of my staff left. The closest people to me he had poisoned against me. Everything that I had dreamed of for the future was crumbling. And then everything I'd already built over the last... What was this was 10 a years business, this was a business, also a business partnership. 
No, he, he, yeah, we started working together. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. but like, you, were, you weren't just married, you were working in the same office around the same yeah. people. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, it's okay. He, on the way out, he was trying to destroy everything I had built, too, mm-hmm. which was 10 years of like, oh, 10 years of going to work. No, I don't clock out at five people. I was working 18 to 21 hour days every single day for the first eight years. I did not play. <laughs> And that's how you go from living in your car to what I've been able to accomplish. The people I've been able to help, the impact I've been able to have at such a young age, It's it took that level of dedication. Right. So everything I've ever, everything I had ever built, everything I had been in, in myself, and everything I had ever dreamed of for the future was all crashing at the same time. And I didn't want, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to keep going. And so what I found to work when you wake up and you just literally throw up like 19 times, you, you're like crawling, trying to make it to the office is the same way that I've revitalized entire regions. Now is you go into something that seems overwhelmingly bad and you find the good and you focus on that and you expand that. So I've gone into neighborhoods that people will call murder acre, stab city, Oh, those are the worst places. And I've planted myself in and I said, what is working? What is working? There's a beautiful park right here. There's an amazing jazz club that's been here for 60 years. There's this cute little diner. We're walkable to this, walkable to that. And when you focus on the good, you realize that whatever you focus on expands. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you're sitting in front of a whiteboard because I have whiteboards everywhere in my life. And I had trained people. I'm really good at systems. trained specific people around me that I could trust that when I got to that specific level of low of like really not wanting to go on, then they would force me to go up to the whiteboard and write what is working in my life. And some days I was so low and every day it seemed like I got so many horrible phone calls and threats and I was getting sued at the same, like it was awful. Everything always happens. So bad. That some days it was so bad. I just went up and I, all I could write was, I have legs. <laughs> That's it. Really? Wow. But I remember, I don't know if you've ever broken a bone or something like that, but whenever you're injured, all you wish is that you weren't injured. So I remember thinking if I didn't have legs, I would look at everybody who has legs and be like, how dare you not be grateful for your life. Yeah. And if you are listening to this and you don't have legs, then you have ears. Mm-hmm. Or hands or arms, eyes. And if you don't have ears and you're watching this transcribed, then you have eyes. What is it? I mean, I would write down, I have legs and my mom loves me. And then the third one would, (laughs) I have good hair. (laughs) I used to have (laughs) such bad hair. It was like, I dyed it nine times one time and permed it in like the same week. And then it all fried off. So (laughs) I am grateful for good hair. Uh, But those are, seem shallow. But the point is, find the dumbest thing potentially that is good in your life. I had a, a student call me the other day and she goes, and that's when my life went to, and I was like, Whoa, your whole life went to, and she's like, yeah, it all went to, and I said, okay, so you're on the phone right now. You own that cell phone. Yes. You're in your car talking to me. Yes. You just walked out of work. Yes. And you're on the phone with your not inexpensive amazing coach. And, uh, and she's like, yes. 
and you have ears to hear, are, are your kids sick? Are they in the hospital? No, they're great. Are you healthy? Yeah. Are you dying of COVID right now? No. Okay. So your whole life did not go to, no, you have so many things. So start focusing on what is working. And it's really interesting. It's kind of like if you give somebody a present and they're really grateful for it, you want to give them more. I believe that God is like that too. If you want to think about the universe, they're like, why would somebody want to give you something more blessings? If all you do is whine about the thing. So if you are an awake person, you have to find a way to override these, these survival instincts of focusing only on the bad to try to get rid of it. Yeah, you do need to not avoid them, but do the work that gets you through it versus investing in the emotion of the spiral spiraling down. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that's a very practical thing that anybody can do. You don't have to have money to do that. You don't have to have anything to do that besides yeah. your mind. Yeah. Um, I know we're getting close to time. I, I want to know what your thoughts are on, because money is a big thing, obviously, to the world, to people. And I often feel like people focus too much on you, you touched briefly on it earlier, whether people use, use God as an excuse to say, well, God's closing that door for me or whatever, or they give up on, on their potential maybe or their their gift. What How important is, the reason I ask this is Jackson told me that when he went to interview with you or you had mentioned something to him about the why, kind of like using profit for good, you know, or, or using business to generate profit to then give to people. And there's so many people in the world that say that money doesn't make you happy. Money isn't important, but at the same time, it can do so much good. So how important do you think that people should, in general, especially if you want to start a business or an organization of any kind, take money and, and try to earn more money? And, and that you can never have too much because you can always give it away. What's your take on that? That's just my thought process. But I'm curious where... Your mind takes you with it. Yeah, something I had to deal with, I call it five years of therapy. I had a coach that had to stop me from self-sabotaging every time I made money because it's deeply rooted, especially in millennials and Gen Z. I don't know. Gen Z is so... Yeah, very, sure very much so. It's <clears throat> almost like it's, it's like you're selfish if you yeah. try to make money. Yeah. Or this idea that... Which is that, so crazy to me. Yeah. It's so insane. So, so money is nothing more than an expansion tool of the heart. You should all write that down. So if you are called to help people that are homeless in Nashville, if you have more money, you can help more people. It's selfish to make money. You know, it's selfish to be a freaking mooch. You mooch. <laughs> it's yeah. how many people can you actually help if you can't pay your own bills? Yeah. Or I feel like you're more selfish by not using your gifts and talents to go out there and instead saying, well, I'm better because I'm, you know, I'm not trying to become a millionaire maybe or something. I'm just going to kind of stay in my lane. Well, yeah, you're not really helping anyone. I don't really have anybody like that in my life anymore. 
I don't either, but I know <laughs> but I hear. I, so it's so it's shocking, like, oh yeah, that's a thing. It's because usually the people that say you care too much about money or you work too hard, you're, you're working. What? I would immediately just look at that person and be like, you selfish freaking mofo. <laughs> you're so selfish. You're so <laughs> selfish. Like, really? Oh, you're called to live in your little house and your little yard and never help anybody and make a difference? No. We are all called to something and you have access you have access to so many blessings and there's a responsibility that comes with that access. And I saw it when I was 17, I looked in that little girl's eyes and the darkness and hopelessness that I saw, she didn't have a chance. And I was so poor. I didn't even have $10 in my bank account when I met her, but I knew that I could, I could be the bridge to not giving her a hand up, but shaping what is possible for the future. Money is a tool. It's fake anyway. So just run with the system, guys. It's totally fake. It's ridiculous. I can't believe people are still buying into this thing, but whatever. It's a means of, of the economy, but it's part of the game. Money is a tool. Influence is a tool. Resources are a tool. And when you have surrendered all of, all of you to being a force for good, in the calling in which you're called to, to walk in, like you need more, not for you. I, I do get to live an amazing, beautiful life. I have all kind of like nice stuff, but every single thing I own, it does not own me. Mm-hmm. Now that, that's different. That was sponsored by going through the fires of hell throughout my career. <laughs> and also in real estate, you're rich, poor, rich, 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 broke, rich, broke, rich. all the time depends on the week. But I don't know. I guess I've gone to too many disasters and I've seen how fast things can go away. And I've, I've watched almost single-handedly entrepreneurs be able to bail out countries, not bail out, but like feed countries Mm -hmm. and be God's hands and feet when people are crying out and, you know, rapists through the roof, suicides through the roof, all these horrible things. And because they have means, they didn't destroy their own family to be able to help somebody else's family. They had more than enough. They had abundance. And, and anybody who's saying that, like, you're only saying that based on your little tiny bubble mm-hmm. of society that you're comparing yourself to any other country, you are probably really poor in parts of, you know, Europe, and you're probably really rich in parts of the Caribbean. You're probably really poor in South America and you're probably really rich in parts of whatever yeah. just depends on what you, what you have seen. So instead of looking at what is right around you, that's literally why I named the company Ariel is to pull myself out of the situation and get that big picture view to say, my life is meant to serve a bigger purpose. And I want to be the bridge in the gap between poverty and wealth. And I know I have the ability to help pull others up and to truly empower them to walk in what they're called to walk in. Cause I could have been them. Yeah. I love that. I, I have heard uh, before money just exploits who you are. If you're a good person, you're going to use it for good and vice versa. And I think you're the epitome of that from, from everything I've studied that you're doing. And, and for our guests, like I suggest like go find Brittany online, aerial.com, whatever it is. And you can tell us all the panels and things, but like, you're done so much good in the world and, and it's just, it's, it's an inspiration to me and many others. And I, 
I know we're short on time here. I really want to thank you for the time here. And then if you can just real quick, like how do people find you? How can they support the causes, the missions that you sponsor and support as well? Yeah, I, I felt convicted two years ago. So doing this on my own, my own companies uh, to help other businesses become a force for good and scale their income so they can scale their impact in both of them. Because I was told my whole career, you should be a nonprofit if you're going to care this much about people on the planet. I'm like, no, I just don't want to ask anybody else for money. How can you make money and do so much good in the world at the same time by solving problems, just different kinds of problems? So I have GeForceMastermind.com. It's also on Instagram. And then Brittany Turner. Brittany spelled all weird. My parents thought they made up the name. <laughs> That's my handle on everything because it's spelled so weird. You'll find me. <laughs> yeah. Go we'll ahead. put it in the show notes as well. So Perfect. You can find it that way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure for me. I feel like I could have, you know, we could talk two more hours about picking your brain on things, but here we are. So I appreciate the time you have. Given. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to the ultimate shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy and we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.